Hello and welcome to Rebels Rebels. It's time for another deep dive into the Jedi archives. So let's sift through the sacred text, burn the tree, and stretch out with our feelings. I'm Mike and here's Peter. How you doing, Peter? Great. How's it going? So good. <laughs> so, so good. So good. What are we talking about today, Mike? Oh, we're talking about a couple things. All Mandalorian or Mandalorian related. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. We're doing a deep dive off the episode, just coming off the episode Blood Sisters. Cool. Yeah. Um, before we take off, would you like to read, would you like to do an iTunes review? Yeah, what do you got? We got a couple more, so I'm really stoked that people are sending these in. It's really great. Again, if you would like to send us mail ask us questions or just help out the show. Um, the best way is to send us an iTunes review and make sure there's a comment there. So let's see, let's, why don't we go to this person? Cause she has an awesome name. Assuming it's a she, maybe I shouldn't assume Megan, the pagan, mm. Megan, the pagan says a great star Wars rebels podcast that gets into the nitty gritty details of the show. We love while not being afraid to call out its weirdness. I can't wait for the next episode. P.S. Their love for Mom Hera has definitely won my loyalty. Mm. Shouts to Mom Hera. Shouts to Mom Hera and Megan the Pagan. Yep. Thanks, Megan the Pagan. Um, we really appreciate it. If you want to get right out on a bonus episode or a deep dive, please, 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 please leave us an iTunes review. That's right. Five points for Gryffindor only. Um, I'm going to warn you ahead of time. This one's a stretch. Okay. Why don't we make like 2017's poorly received animated movie directed by Julio Sato Gurdipide about an octopus in the year 2100 and go deep. Okay. <laughs> There's a movie called deep. that Got came it. Out. And sure. So that's, I'm really gone. I'm really digging deep. Sure. For these. All right. All so right. we're doing a deep dive. Um, this one just for no reason at all other than there's another Mandalorian is that we are talking Boba Fett who mm. is actually not a Mandalorian either just has armor so Boba Fett this is what I found on Wikipedia Anders Lindstrom or Boba Fett as he's often called is a Swedish rock musician most known for being the organist and pianist of Swedish rock band the Helicopters and co-founder guitarist of Diamond Dogs Wait, that's <laughs> sorry. That's the wrong person. Okay, <laughs> I thought that would be funnier. Okay. Um, I was like, "What?" <laughs> I found I found a Swedish rock person named Boba Fett, and I thought that would be funny. But got it. Turned I... out it's not. I just had, I was just so confused. I was like, man, I really don't know anything about Star Wars. Yeah, sorry. Okay. So let's start off with one Boba Fett fact. Okay. That I think is important. Sure. 
In the original trilogy, Boba Fett has roughly 18 minutes of screen time across the entire trilogy. Yeah. Speaking only five lines throughout Empire and Jedi, one of which is just a scream as he falls into the mouth of a Sarlacc pit. So who knows if that's even a line. As you wish. Lord Vader. He's no good to me dead. What if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me. Captain Solo in the cargo hold. In Empire, the movie where he most notably broke out, he spoke 27 words and his total screen time is 6 minutes and 32 seconds. Only one scene is over a minute long. Can you believe it? Yep. As such, I think it's okay that we can probably skip the arc of Boba's life and talk about a couple interesting facts because, you know, when you're only there for 18 minutes, we probably have it covered already. Yeah. Sure. So, let me ask you a question. Okay, sure. Do you know where Boba Fett first appeared to Star Wars fans? Canonically? Um, just in general. The um, first time he appeared to Star Wars fans. I'm going to say the holiday special. Wrong. Boba Fett first appeared on September 20th, 1978. Canter toy. No. 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 Nope. Wait, one more guess. One more guess. Okay, one more guess. September 20th, 1978. What was going 78? on? 78? It was one year after. So how about um, trading card? No! No! Nope. Uh, I give up. 1978 at the San Selmo County Fair Parade. Yes. Wow. Okay. So I'm surprised you didn't get that because it was such a big deal. The character first appeared on television two months later for the Star Wars holiday special. Uh, a mysterious figure who betrays Luke Skywalker and was secretly working for Darth Vader. So, yeah, he appeared in this parade first to kind of test the armor out. And people are like, oh, uh, that guy. Okay. Um, and it was kind of a promotion thing for the holiday special. Okay. Um, so, as we know, he is a clone of Jango Fett, but was not bred with the accelerated age issue. Um, so Django took him as a son until Django was beheaded by Mace Windu in front of him. Quick little fact about that scene, which I like is I always thought when he gets his head cut off and little kid Boba picks up the head, I thought he was picking up his dad's head. But if you see in that scene, Mace cuts it off and you see a shadow of a helmet go and you see his head fall out. So he's just picking up his dad's helmet. And his head's lying somewhere nearby on the ground. <laughs> hmm, okay. That's, that's, I like it's comforting. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I always thought like, how does his head not fall out when he picks it up like that? <laughs> um, but after that, he became a young bounty hunter joining up with Ara Singh, who took him under her wing until a couple of failed attempts to assassinate Mace Windu and a botched assassination of clone troopers landed him in jail mm-hmm. after jail. He formed his own bounty hunter gang, which consisted of family favorites Bosk, Dengar, Asajj, Ventress, and others. I love it. Soon he became known as one of the most deadly and fearsome bounty hunters in the galaxy, taking Mandalorian armor reminiscent of his father's, which I thought was interesting because I thought it was the same armor his dad had, but he has a different set of armor. Um, And so he took that, he took his dad's, ship and 
became a deadly and fearsome bounty hunter. Maybe the most deadly and fearsome bounty hunter fierce-y. in the galaxy. The most fierce bounty hunter. <laughs> He's like deadly and fierce <laughs> Um, so he became kind of a favorite weapon of Jabba the Hutt and Darth Vader, which I kind of find ironic because they were adversaries during the Clone Wars, like Anakin and Boba Fett as a kid very Mm. clearly came into conflict. Also, Vader killed the dude who killed Boba's dad. So it's a lot of complicated feelings there. Yeah. Well, I kind of like the idea that it's like they 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 don't know who each other is. Because they both wear helmets now. They don't know who each other is. Yeah. <laughs> Your words are all over the place today. Sorry, I've had too much Claritin today, so yeah. I'm just going, I'm jittery. Um, shortly after A New Hope, Vader hired Boba Fett to track down the mysterious X-Wing pilot that destroyed the Death Star. Mm. He was able to track down Luke as he returned to Obi-Wan Kenobi's hut on Tatooine to retrieve Obi-Wan's journal. journal oh, A source... Yeah. Yeah, he wanted it because it was like he ba- basically Obi-Wan left it to Luke um, to kind of teach him about the force after he died. Have you read the comics where Obi-Wan's journal uh, is like yeah. he goes through it? Those are great. Those are really, really fun arc. Yeah, it's really cool. Probably um, the best. That's, that's yeah, that's what the, yeah this is what, that's how he got that journal. Okay. So he goes back to the hut. Boba Fett is able to track him down there and Luke was able to escape mainly due to accidental force powers and blind luck, literally, because Boba Fett used a flash grenade to blind him. Oh, clever wording. <laughs> but um, Boba Fett, he he wasn't able to capture Luke, but he was able to learn the youngster's true identity. Not knowing the gravity of the information, he reported back to Vader the boy's name was Skywalker. Skywalker. Vader remained silent for some time, so Boba Fett left. He's like, all right, this is awkward. <laughs> but he not knowing <laughs> go. that he had just told the dark Lord, he had a son. Oh man. So that's how Darth Vader learns Luke's identity. Yeah. I love that part of the yeah, comic after uh, a new hope. Yeah. So a little bit about him. He is equipped with a targeting computer in his helmet Yippee! along with a comlink link and built in binoculars. <laughs> he has a jet pack kind of becomes his undoing. And gauntlets that contain a whip cord, which I always thought was really funny. <laughs> he just has like a lasso that he can tie people up with. Blasters, a flamethrower. And I didn't get this. Dart launchers hidden in his knee pads. <laughs> he also flew the fearsome slave one, which he took from his father, as mentioned before. So this finally leads to a rabbit hole that I've been thinking about for a while. Oh no, I'm in a rabbit hole. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what the sound effect was for that one. A sarlacc hole. Oh, got it. So, in the Aftermath trilogy, there's a side story told throughout three books. It starts with Java's, Java's, Jawas, <laughs> scavenging a set of familiar green Mandalorian armor damaged by acid, almost like it had been partially digested. Soon thereafter, a mysterious man promises to help a mobster negotiate with the Jawas for the armor, but instead he steals the armor for himself. We later learn this man calls himself Cobb Vanth, and he has declared himself a lawman, sheriff of a town called Freetown. Mm. 
free town. <laughs> yeah. What what vanilla person named that? <laughs> I know. Well, it, I forgot the name of it. It was a moss. It was like moss, like like Epa or something like that. And then they he he changed it to Freetown because it's a place where like people can be free from criminals on Tatooine, and he was going to protect that. Um. So we do not know much about this man, but we know he's a skilled fight, skilled fighter, great with a blaster, and he really wanted that Mandalorian armor. He also came across Malakili, who was the animal trainer to Jabba the Hutt in the desert and was said to have recognized him. He was also described as a very violent man. He was also described as a human with angular features, leather skin, and pinched eyes. So some say that that description matches what Boba Fett would have looked like and acted like at that age. They also say that the signs point to Boba Fett escaping the Sarlacc pit which is what happened in Legends. Mm. There are some people who do not think Vanth is Boba Fett. They point to the fact that Vanth has a star-shaped marking on his back, which signifies he was once a slave. And as far as we know, Boba Fett was never a slave. Mm. Also, in Aftermath Life Debt, it makes it clear that Jabba's sail bar crashed into the Sarlacc, which injured mm. it gravely and split its side open. And through that opening, the Jawa scavenged many lost treasures... And they could have just scavenged that armor and then this random person came and took it because it's cool armor. Yeah. They also don't think that Boba Fett's personality um, would lead him to become Prector, the protector of Freetown and fight no. crime syndicates. No way. What do you think? Um, my, my point of view changed quite dramatically after reading from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you saw it, his short story is so much about like it's like an inner dialogue right or and he comes off pretty cocky and arrogant (laughs) which is fair because he's you know a really good bounty hunter so it's not it's kind of a deal (laughs) yeah that's right boys fett's here do me a favor and fall to the side after you're hit i really don't want to trip over your idiot corpses once the shooting starts it's not it's not completely unearned but my um, favorite part is like so in the audiobook it's read by john ham so and he's basically playing the character that he plays in Bridesmaids. Boom! What's up, buddy? Call for some roadside assistance? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, or just like an early Don Draper. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I don't. He seems pretty out for himself. He doesn't. There, I just have a hard yeah. time believing he has any altruistic um, leanings. So here are a couple points that I actually think lead me to believe he is Cobb Vanth. Okay. So it's possible to me that maybe going into the Sarlacc pit was a life-altering experience. So maybe that happened and he was like, okay, it's start over because everyone thinks I'm dead. Screw this. I'm just going to live a quiet life on this little <laughs> town and just try to protect what I have. All right. Um, the other thing is they have done a good job in the Clone Wars, especially, to show that... Boba Fett isn't all bad. He's cocky, but you know, the arc that I mentioned about clone troopers. Yeah. He was supposed to assassinate a bunch of clone troopers. I don't remember exactly how it um, resolved itself, but that, that was kind of his falling out with Ara Singh, as I remember, because he didn't want to murder his brothers, you know? Hmm. Um, there's also yeah. another story where he gets into some beef. I don't think this was ever created, but it was a story where he gets into some beef with um, Cad Bane. 
because Cad Bane wanted to do some shady stuff and he was kind of protecting some people. So they're making it kind of clear that he's definitely ruthless and violent and wants to get paid, but maybe not at his heart, just like a bad guy. Okay. And so the star, the star shaped tattoo thing or the marking is the one that I'm stuck on. So I'm wondering if maybe that'll be explained in a movie or something. Maybe he became a slave between like the last we see of him in Clone Wars and then a new or empire. Okay. Um, and escaped, or maybe he went undercover as a slave to like kill a bounty or bounty or something. So hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm saying it is him. I know a lot of people disagree, but that's my thought. I think you're, and you're entitled to that. Thanks. Appreciate that. So that's my deep dive on Boba Fett. Buffett. Oh, thanks, Peter. I'm I'm seeing him in a different light, and I hope one day I get to visit him at this uh this lowly cantina. Yeah, Boba Fett, where? <laughs> nah, we said <laughs> it. I wanted to do a little character portrait of Ketsu Anyo. Perfect. Yeah. So before, I know you have some exciting stuff to talk about. I thought I'd share a little character portrait of Ketsu Anyo. So, you ready? Yep. Let's jump into that. Here we go. When we first meet Ketsu Anyo in season two of Star Wars Rebels, she is a bounty hunter in the employ of the Black Sun. Before this, Anyo and Sabine Wren, both Mandalorians, were close friends who attended the Imperial Academy together. At some point during their attendance, Sabine decided to defect from the Empire. We know the reasons why. And Anyo helped her escape. You can see the deep dive in season one about Sabine Wren if you're curious about that. Hmm. Mm. Um, though Sabine is explicit about her decisions, uh, choices to leave, it's unclear why Anyo does. Um, based on Blood Sisters, though, the episode we just watched of Rebels, we can infer that Anyo felt similarly about the tyrannical tactics of the Empire and decided to leave as well. Because the only reason stated is that she's helping Sabine. But we can guess by kind of her, um, you know, she seems willing to help out that perhaps she wasn't as excited about the Empire as well. Totally. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing about her that it's funny because she seems to have an issue with the brutality of the Empire, but also signs up with like crime syndicates. Yeah. Very complex. Yeah. It's... um. It's interesting. <laughs> so, Ketsu Anu was created for the second season of the animated series Star Wars Rebels. Um, she's voiced by actor Gina Torres, who is in probably best known for her role in Firefly, I believe. Yep, yep she played Zoe. Yeah. Or Zoe, I don't remember. I and, didn't watch a ton of Firefly. <laughs> yeah, I watched it so long ago. I watched it when it first aired and I have not seen it since. Yeah. Been a long time. But I know a lot of stuff derived from it. Probably probably something I should watch again as a lot of 
cultural references are being made to it. Totally. These days. Um, now, it was said that the design for Anya, this was said by, um, was, uh, by Pablo Hidalgo that it was based on an abandoned design from episode seven, The Force Awakens. Um, but, or no, I think it was Filoni who said that. Um, yeah. There's kind but, of a funny story that I didn't know this, but he's in the... He gets invited to all the meetings when they're yeah. doing art direction stuff, even for the movies. And he just saw the design on the table and it seemed like no one was using it. He's just like, hey, uh, anyone using that? <laughs> just like, yoink, and now and just put it in his show. Are you doing the character portrait, Peter? <laughs> Sorry. That was my next line. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, an interesting story. And it really wasn't my next line. That was set on Rebels <laughs> Recon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But... You all, I can't help but think that that design also looks eerily similar to the original Ralph McQuarrie Boba Fett design. Ooh, good call. Um, you can look that up, but they're not exact, but they definitely look, they definitely look close, close enough to be potentially taken from one another. Um, yeah, and it, that, that kind of design makes her visually distinctive, um, from the typical Mandalorian. Um, it's not the, you know, the classic Mandalorian helmet. Um, but she is in fact Mandalorian. Um, mm-hmm. so there is not a ton on Anya. She is like, everything you need to know about her is really in that episode and can be inferred. I scoured the internet and pretty much she just appears in like board games and card games besides this. Um, We talked about how we felt about this episode earlier this week. Um, But the amount of information there is on her is about how I feel about that episode. (laughs) Um, It's kind of a waste, a wasted character. She will appear in season four. Do nothing extremely critical and does not necessarily develop Sabine Wren's character for me. She just develops herself to no end. So this character portrait is equally as short (laughs) as her appearances. Yeah. One of the weird things, and I think we probably talked about it in the episode, but I kind of forgot she was a character. So when she showed up in the, in the end of season four, I was like, who's that? <laughs> I had no recollection of this person even existing until we went back through it. And I think she might show up once or twice again in other seasons. But I, she's a black hole for me. So maybe she does. Maybe she doesn't. We'll find out as we do this journey together, yeah. I guess. I think she really only is in the end of season four. Huh. Well, um, we'll see. Yeah. So that's our our short, albeit short-lived, character portrait of Ketsu Anya. Short, but sweet. Sweet. Um, do you want to actually do... I, I'm putting you on the spot, but I mean, I think things are pretty solid... Do you want to maybe tease or announce a little special something we've got coming up? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Oh my gosh. Let's do it. 
Let's do I'm it. I'm so nervous. This is, you know, this is my jam. I, f- mm-hmm. I feel like Peter and I are really excited about this. This has been something I've been wanting to do and wanting to do right for a long time. Um, but we are going to be releasing in November um, a collection. We're going to begin a collection of enamel pins yes. that are going to sell for $10 each. Mm-hmm. It'll be limited to only 50 pins per release. And they're all going to be of Rebels characters um, with the the Bowie, the Ziggy design on the face. Totally. Um, we might drop a picture pretty soon. Um, we've got them ordered. We're waiting on them to arrive. Um, yeah, we are really, I'm stoked. And like I said, we're only going to do 50 of each, you know, mm-hmm. first of all, because we're not that big of a podcast. <laughs> um and uh, I am a, I don't know about you, Peter, but I'm a huge Star Wars enamel pin collector. I don't even mm-hmm. do anything with them. It's just <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, um, I, I, have, I put them on my guitar straps and then I switch them out every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they go on. I have like two on my backpack and I just, I just rotate them depending on the mood. Yep. So I think we should probably wait until an official announcement before we say which character we're going to do. Yeah. Keep a little mystery if we will. Um, but I'm really excited. Mike's design is super, super cool. And maybe we'll throw up a teaser or something coming to your eye holes yeah. soon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so once those drop, we'll let everyone know the day and time they drop. So you can get one of 50, like I said, super small run. So you're going to want to do it the day of. We, um, we already have some people who quite a big handful of people who want to g- grab them so it's like when they drop you grab them too get them first day <laughs> make sure you're when on the drop they hot cool all right well awesome. i'm excited about that so thank you for that thank you for the deep dive do you want to tell people where else they can find us on the internet mike yeah you can find us on twitter and instagram at rebels rebels pod at gmail.com um yeah and you can email us at rebels rebels pod oh I said that at gmail.com. Oh, we're on social media <laughs> and Twitter and Instagram at Rebels Rebels Pod. Everything's Rebels Rebels Pod. That's all you need to know. Yeah. One stop shop. There cool. it is. And pretty soon, hey, we might have a Rebels Rebels Pod.com. Oh my gosh. We're working on it. We're so going to. It's going to happen before the pins drop. That way you know where to buy them. Cool. Cool. And remember, until next time, be brave out there and don't look back. Don't look back. Bye-bye.